And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? This is Andrew, founder of Marknology, your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship, um, you name it. Super excited about today's topic. We're talking about video marketing for e-commerce. Um, I've got Kaya with me today. Before I make that introduction, I'd love to give a shout out to our sponsor that's making this episode possible. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Wix, helping you create a website you're proud of. Discover the platform that gives you the freedom to create, design, manage, and develop your web presence exactly the way you want. Go to Wix.com and check it out. You know, like 10 years ago, creating a website, you had to basically be a coder or or hire a programmer just to get, you know, a landing page done. Companies like Wix have, have changed the game and made it accessible uh, for anybody trying to create a website that, that they're proud of with their own designs without really having to rely on other people. Um, whether you're launching a book, whether you're having an e-commerce business, you name it, Wix is the go-to. Now, without further ado, I would love to introduce today's guest, Kaya from Slidebean. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me, Andrew. Happy to. And thanks a lot for everybody listening. Yeah, I think this is going to be a great convo. Um, one, not to everybody that can't see, because I know they're listening as a podcast. Maybe you're in your car. Kaya's got a, a great look going on. I'm like, this guy knows what's going on. I'm trying to figure out where you are in the world. Uh, where Are you calling from New York? Where are you at? Yeah, so our main office is in is in New York City, but I knew it. Uh, we also have a <laughs> we also have an office in Costa Rica. So today okay. I'm in I'm in warmer Costa Rica. I love that. I actually just went to Costa Rica um, last year for the very first time. I grew up in a jungle. Uh, I grew up in Africa till I was 16 in in Congo, and uh, I hadn't been back to like a rainforest uh, <laughs> since and. Being in the pandemic and getting a chance, you know, Costa Rica, I went there actually because I have a brand I launched I and mean, you might know them. We can talk about that offline, but I launched a manufacturer on Amazon um, from Costa Rica. They do like cereals and dog treats and craft beers and all types of stuff. And so I was down there visiting with them, touring the facility at the same time, um, got to explore some of uh, Costa Rica and it just honestly refueled me for the whole year. I think just um, there's no tourists. So it was waterfalls, mountains, uh, hiking, you know, and just no one around. So I absolutely loved it. Um, you, you don't have a bad life. Costa Rica and New York, two of my favorite places, honestly. Costa Rica quickly moved up the list. The, the people there just really took care of us as well. Um, thanks for tuning in today. I want to get into your story um, and, and just kind of talk about how you got into this space. I think that's something that's really interesting is getting to know, um, you know, how did you find video? How did you find e-commerce? How did you get into this market? Kind of some of the details behind that are, are really impactful to a lot of people listening. And that's that's really what I, a lot of the comments that come in is just like, oh, my God, I didn't know I had that in common. Um, Kaya, did you already, already always know? I'm sorry, I'm a little tongue tied. But did you always know you're going to be an entrepreneur? Was Has video always been your thing? Like, what's your first entrepreneur memory? <laughs> that's 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 a question that took me back. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I sort of landed on this by a series of accidents. Um, uh -huh. I did always enjoy photography a bit and video. Um, you know, I'm a millennial. I grew up in Costa Rica, which is, which is at least five or 10 years behind everything. So when I graduated high school, this was in 2005, becoming a cinematographer, photographer, videographer was still like that. This was not an option for me. You're not going to get paid. <laughs> not an option. Yeah, you're not going to get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my parents would, would have object, objected to this. So I, I, I studied, uh, I went to, to college to do computer science, uh, which was fun, but I also hated a bit. And, and as soon as I sort of, I, I spent a year on that. As soon as I figured myself out, I figured like I need to do something that's, that's more creative. I need to do something where where the output of this is something that I can show and that I'm proud of, and not a hundred pages of code with a crappy UX UX on top of it. 
Um, okay, pause right, pause right there. Not to interrupt, but like, one, we're the same age. Graduated the same year. Went to school for computer science. Uh, hated it. Uh, as soon as I got out of school and got a job, I, I quit. Uh, I went into e-commerce, but I was in a touring band. So that was like my, I had to do something uh -huh. else. Like I was creative and this was kind of my backup option. My parents giving me a lot of shit uh, for not getting internships or like doing this music thing. But I just, it was eating my soul. Back then, at least where I went to school, we were writing code on paper. Like it was, <laughs> sure, we could use we could use programs, but like to test out and stuff, it was paper. And networking is one of those things where you just like, you're monitoring a network, you kind of maybe if you're not doing setup, you're just waiting on it to break. If it breaks, you fix it. It's kind of like reactionary. Um, I'm a creator, I'm a builder, like, you know, that's, that's what fuels me. Um, so back to your story, I just think that's crazy. Um, the the storyline is so similar already. All right, keep going. So you, you, um, you wanted to show something you're proud of. What was that first thing? Yeah, that, that is, that is a cool coincidence, man. And if you, if you go back to this year, like, YouTube was YouTube existed, but it was not. There was no YouTuber option. Like I, like I have I have an eight year old daughter now, and like in her understanding, like do a lot of a lot of things in my, in my company, and I'm on spreadsheets all the time and managing people. But for her, like all the all she sees is oh this guy makes videos and that's his job. Like she grew up like with essentially a YouTuber at his dad as as her dad. So like for them, it's a possibility. Yes, uh, you know. Gen Zs and 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 yeah. whatever comes next, but for us that was not an option. Anyway, so I um yeah I I went to study digital animation, uh which I which I did enjoy. I I, I like that career, and then you know at some point I've decided to start start a company. It was first this gaming company which failed, and that led me to start the company that I run now, which is Slightbeam, which is this um sort of fundraising platform for for startups. Okay. Um, and we're getting, we'll get into that. I think you jumped over some stuff. I want to dig in just a little bit deeper. You created an animation company. Um, and most people like for me, my band was kind of my first business. I learned branding. I learned how to create something. I learned how to package it. I learned how to schedule tours. I learned how to like, you know, biz dev with other bands. I learned a lot of things. Um, that obviously is not what I'm doing now, but it set me up for the next thing. Um, so you went to school for design animation. Just just because I'm personally curious, um, was that in Costa Rica? Did you come to the U.S. for that and stay? Um, you know, I don't know what's what's current in Costa Rica at that time. Like, was that even something offered at that time? Yeah, um, yeah. So know... there, there was one single, very expensive uh, private university. I mean, very. Exp this is very very relative. Uh, you know the, and I guess it's a funny side note. So tuition here for public university. Normally, the public universities here are the most prestigious. Okay. Uh, so tuition here for a public university is about three hundred dollars a year. Wow. Because uh, it's all state funded, and then for a private university, tuition would probably be maybe four, three, four thousand dollars a year. Uh, so this my 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 school, which had the only school with digital animation, was on the expensive side, which meant that was maybe six, six or seven thousand dollars a year tuition, which. To you, Americans will sound like nothing, but that it, it meant a lot of money. I, I had to get a job to study part time, but I was especially kind of if normal this. school is three, three or four, right? Like exactly, that's the difference. Um, I was born in Canada, so honestly, like I come from a very poor family, uh, missionary family, even by U.S. standards. Um, and so, a backup plan for me, I'm always like that kind of like doomsday. I just grew up in a dangerous part of Africa. I'm always planning like for contingencies and you know stuff <laughs> like that, and. For me, it was, okay, I was born in Canada. Maybe I didn't grow up there, but like uh, it's paid by the state, right? A lot of the universities, McGill is an Ivy League school that if you're Canadian, uh, your rates are like next to free. You know, you can just go to these crazy schools that in America, we have a lot of advantages here, but our schools are extremely expensive. It puts tons of American kids in debt for their entire lives. Um, and they even change careers like me and you both talked about, you know, so you're going to school to get this badge um, that ultimately is like something that maybe holds you back from being an entrepreneur. But I, I applied for Canadian citizenship, dual citizenship, just to be able to plan for when I was 18, like maybe I'm going to go to college and I won't be able to afford it because my my family and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm always talking about international expansion when it comes to e-commerce. That's one of the big topics that everyone's talking about, like Latin sourcing from Latin America and, um, you know, expanding to the Amazon marketplaces around the U.S. Uh, that's big, big topics. 
just interesting to know like what's happening in the education systems in those countries like are they um you know bringing people up to speed we don't have to get into that but just my curiosity just just jumps you know as costa rica brands are contacting me to help them launch you know it's like okay that these these resources must not be available locally um okay so we're going to skip the design company i already went back enough uh went to school uh design from there it was expensive for those standards um and you got out you create a company around that correct yeah so my my first company was this um we came up with a mobile uh gaming platform or a mobile game first uh which sounds like a silly company today in 2021 but this was 2011 so back then the iphone had just come out you had a handful of games in the app store so there was there was room for this um so we the story there is we we came up with this idea i i was a digital animator so i could do some characters and some and so the animation side of this got together with a good good friend from high school uh he was going to do the the coding we didn't think of this as a starter we just thought of it oh let's make this game but we don't have money and we need, we need a mac um and we can't afford it so what, what do we do um so we decided to put the project on kickstarter um which i had just discovered uh Maybe not too late. Kickstarter is what two thousand nine, so two years late. Discovered Kickstarter, put the project there, and we we funded it. We funded it, uh, and not only that, but TechCrunch caught it. Um, TechCrunch is this super popular startup outlet, which mm-hmm. I had never heard about. But TechCrunch caught it and uh, called it the next Angry Birds. Called our game the next Angry Birds. So uh, like suddenly we we found ourselves with uh, like we were like suddenly a startup, and we started getting a bunch of these emails from. With the people calling themselves angel investors and saying, "Oh, like what? What's your seed round and and what's your valuation? Like what? I don't understand any of the things that you're saying." Yeah, but uh, yeah. but fast track. Like I had this had to go through this crash course of startup world, which to me was non-existent. Um, and and part of that meant uh, moving to moving to New York, and that's that's the first time I came to live in the city. Okay, and I think that that you jumped. You, you say a lot quickly, but I think there's a lot of meat there. <laughs> Like one, I met uh, a doctor. He has his PhD in crowdfunding. Uh, Pedro Tanzani. He actually is in Brazil now. Uh, at the time, I met him in Kansas City at the university. I sought him out because, as an Amazon expert, I'm trying to know absolutely everything about that platform. And there's something called Amazon Launchpad, and Amazon Launchpad only works with crowdfunded companies at that time. Um, and so I was like, look, I've, if I've gotten brands from Launchpad, I need to understand like kind of how this works and like, you know, how they raise their funds, how, how all that stuff works. One thing I learned about Pedro from Pedro, uh, one, I think he was the first to get a PhD in that, uh, two, uh, he said, you know, a Kickstarter successfully executing, launching, planning a Kickstarter is like the equivalent of launching a business, like to successfully pull it off. You almost do the same amount of work as actually launching a business, even though you're really just telling people about your plan to do it, um, you know, and hoping they buy in. And so one to successfully do that and get noticed is, is a big deal. Um, I think that's, that's of note. And two, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed, amazing geniuses, creators, like whatever you want to call it, because we go from being a creative and a creator, and this is where some people get left behind. And then all of a sudden overnight, you're turned into, uh, you have to be a, a leader, a manager, a business, like uh, you're running a business. There's all these, you have to do math and writing and communication and, uh, you know, all these balance sheets. And, and you just went from like making cool shit for yourself that you thought was cool to or like, you know, passionate about to now doing all these other areas where you might have insecurities or, you know, you're just not that's not your thing. And I think that that's where a lot of creatives as someone that went from music to this world, um, they can't understand how to get organized, they can't understand how to adapt to that, that changing world that happens really fast. All of a sudden, people talking to you about investment and blah, 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 blah. It's overwhelming. Um, I'm trying to learn the M&A world right now, which is you know, mergers and acquisitions, buying companies, selling companies, people wanting to invest. I'm still trying to learn. I'm in year seven, uh, still trying to pick this stuff up. So in two, in, in like 30 seconds, you talked about launching something successfully, a Kickstarter, getting noticed by TechCrunch, which is huge. And then going from Costa Rica, which is like island life, like not island life, but like it feels like that. It's, you know, it's, it's very much yeah. beach and, and mountains and jungle and rainforest and slow. Uh, I think that's why I was so comfortable there. It's like more like island time. Um, and then to New York, crazy, like, and, and I'm sure your parents at that point were like, they changed their mind a little bit about how they felt in the early days. <laughs> yeah, man. Is that right? 
Uh, yes, but but more than that, uh, it, it was to me it was this this transformative thing because honestly, like Costa Rica has the advantage that it's 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 that we, our economy is based on tourism. Um, you know, we get a lot of we get a lot of American culture here because we're such a tiny country. We don't get you know we don't have our own movie studios, our own TV shows. Uh, we we get to watch American stuff, so we were always we've been kind of bombarded by U.S. culture, and we understand it we understand it well enough. Um, but you know, much more compared to like I used to, I lived in Chile for a little bit as well, and you know, Chile feels distant from from U.S. culture. It's it's every, everything's different. None of the brands that you see on the supermarket are brands that you've that you've heard of. But here, it, it's it's so close. Milk is different, but cereal's the same. Marmalade's the same. Bread is the same. Like it's all the same brands. So even with that, even with us being so culturally close to the states, to me, New York City was uh, another shock. Uh, mm. of, of, um, of, yeah, like I, I, I grew up in San Jose, which is the capital. I, I didn't grow up in the beach. So I'm not that, uh, my life ha- had not been that islandy, but still, man, like New York was, was an insane contrast to me. And, um, just the, the amount of people, everybody's doing something and everybody's hustling all the time. And, and there's, and it's like, I, uh, you know, we still have an office in New York and I'm, I'm in New York all the time. And to me, it's, I, I like, I love this bridge that new york is for me because i when i find myself in costa rica for three months i realize that i'm just that back in costa rica pace but then i'm in new york like fuck like this i I need to move this fast if if i want to build a company yeah and uh, i think that those are amazing points and i was just relating as someone that moved from congo to kansas city even the midwest it's not costa rica but we are a smaller you know two million people middle of the country you know you can imagine bible belt um, it's a different way of living than even though it's U.S. The U.S. is 50 states, you know, like it's huge differences across them, like from New York to the Midwest um, to the West Coast, major cultural differences. Um, you know, I think even in San Jose, when we were traveling there and that's where we were meeting the manufacturer, but we stayed like, you know, an hour and a half away. Uh, I was seeing brands that I was launching or like that I've been working with in like, I stopped at a pit stop in a convenience store and I'm seeing some of the brands in there. It was blowing my mind a little bit. Like, Oh, this is, you know, this is, it was mm-hmm. like a leather conditioner products. And one was like a starch product, like faultless, faultless brands as a Kansas city company. And it, to me, it was just like, Oh my God, we're like internet, we're working with international brands. Um, it was a cool feeling. So I can relate to that. Like that can't, that uh, the U S kind of being comfortable with the U S culture and brands, um, but still a huge difference even when I, when I adapted from, from African life to Kansas City life, it was a huge overwhelm for me. I would have thought like, you know, New York, oh my God, now that I'm an entrepreneur um, and I love going full speed because I know what I have to get done in less time to get the goals I want, you know, New York feels like home to me. I feel very comfortable there because I'm operating at the same speed. Now that I'm 35, it's, it's not the same thing as when I was, you know, straight out of school or learning those things. And um, you know, the world gets smaller as you get bigger, but I can imagine huge, huge change. Um, okay. You're there. We're, we're going to fast forward. Cause I want to get into video and I'm just, I'm just having fun with the story because I think um, to me, it's exciting and I can kind of see what's happening. I'm, I'm a picture kind of brain guy. So you're in New York first time without family, I assume. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, you're there because you're trying to understand like how that business world works and take your business to the next level. This video game you have, was it making money? Was it more just opportunities that were coming? No. So like in this complete uh, unknown uh, state that we were about the startup world, uh, you know, a good friend of ours suggested that, that we apply to these things that I had never heard about startup accelerators. Um, so we're like, okay, fine, let's do it. And we, we applied to YC and we applied to Techstars, got to the last round, didn't get in. But in the end, we got into, into a program called Dreamin, which is this accelerator that was, it used to be based out of New York uh, full-time. Now it's out of Philly. Uh, so they're like, well, yeah, we love what you're doing. Like the traction of the Kickstarter project, you know, proves that people want what you're building. Um, I think that inevitably the TechCrunch article that we were able to get it sort of had them assuming that we had a lot more figure that than we did really because that the article was very much a coincidence that it just got caught but um so they accepted us and, and part of the deal is okay fine we'll take you but you have to sorry you have to move you have to move to the city for the whole summer um so we sort of like yeah hell yeah yeah uh, you went things up, and, you, and went over 
I love it. That's the tech stars. We have tech stars in Kansas city, worked with them a little bit, um, understand how that works. And when I hear that from startups, like I, I've interviewed a few people that have been through the tech stars program to me, that's crazy. I can't imagine like I'm in Kansas city, all of a sudden they're in New York. They're like, cool. You want to keep doing this? You got to go. Um, that's a big move. Not on top of like making a successful business and pulling that <laughs> off. Okay. So you're there, you go through the accelerator, um, you know, you're to the next steps. Like, when did you move on from the animation company to to the next one? Let's let's jump a little bit. Yeah, I am. So that you know, we're we were not so not ready for the opportunity that we were in front of. Like, we were not ready to raise money or or to pitch investors. Um, we tried, but you know, the product was not launched. We finally launched it, made a made a few thousand dollars, but it was not like it, you know, and funding a single game from two random guys from Costa Rica like, that was not not a venture backable company, but like at least, I mean, the experience was transformative for me mm. um, living there. So I had to go back on a tail between my legs, super broke, uh, a lot of credit card debt, went back to live with my mom for a few months in, in, in Costa Rica, but uh, forever damaged by having lived in, in New York and having kind of like tasted. lived in, yeah, tasted it and breathed spent three months breathing this startup culture working next to other companies that did raise funding that are now you know series c funded massive companies like working next to these guys uh i think that that you know changes you in a lot of ways so got back here and i immediately started thinking like well i need to start another business and at that time the the main objective is i want to start another business because i want to another ticket to new york like i want to figure out a way where i can go and live in new york because that that was the probably fifty percent of my motivation. Quality um, of life. So that's how we ended up in in this new venture. Okay, and let's let's talk about where you are. I think that there's even I I understand what you do, but I want to for any listeners like you know get into the nuts and bolts of that. Um, before we jump into Slide Bean and and what that is and what you guys are doing for brands, um, and and video marketing for e-commerce, let's give one more shout out to our sponsor for today's episode. We wouldn't be here without them. Um, Wix, where do you go when you want to create, manage, and grow your business online? Wix, the leading website creation platform. Create a site with designer-made templates that can be customized for your business and look great on all devices. Reach new audiences with intelligent SEO tools designed to get you found on search engines. We're going to talk about that uh, here in just a second, SEO and search engines and some of the history behind your business and where you got. Um, Manage it all from one place, at home, at the office, or on the go. You'll never miss a thing when it comes to your business. Join over 200 million people already doing it and head over to Wix.com to get started. But thanks again to our sponsor Wix for making this episode possible. Kaya, um, you know, before the show started, we were talking just a little bit about, um, you know, the, the origins of slide bean and, and, you know, how you got into YouTube and video and all of that. Uh, you know, what's the elevator pitch? And then we'll get into that for slide bean to, to any of our listeners. <laughs> so our elevator pitches, well, slide bean helps startups pitch investors. And that, started with just a presentation platform for, for pitch decks and now has sort of transformed into a bunch of different tools and, and materials and content um, essentially to grab entrepreneurs who are like me 10 years ago, uh, either not from New York or California, Silicon Valley, uh, from, I guess, anywhere in the in the U.S. We have a, we have a huge audience in India these days, a huge audience in Africa, by the way. Okay. Um, you know, these are entrepreneurs who like, that have seen this startup world, understand a little bit of what it is, uh, think that think that they can and their companies can raise capital from the U.S. Capital is just a means to an end, but you know, at that stage, you think that capital is just the end goal, right? Uh, you know, and we we found a way to resonate with them, so we help them with the stuff that they need to do. You know, starting with the pitch deck that usually that's usually a gateway drug. But that transforms into a bunch of tools and deals, and again, materials for them as they go through this entrepreneurial journey. Okay, what I know that there's video involved. I use a software called Proposify, uh, not sponsored, but should be uh, Proposify, and have for a few years that allows me to use video in my proposals, allows me to do a lot of cool stuff, and it was something that I wanted dynamic proposals, even um, you know, before I had a creative team to help me with it. 
And Proposify gives me like updates when I'm making a pitch. And, you know, it's more of a proposal thing than a pitch where I'm raising money. Um, but I'm presenting a proposal tomorrow morning to a big brand that's thinking about Amazon in a big way. Um, you know, they've paid me a good sum of money to put this pitch together, right? Not just to hire me, but to say, hey, this is your opportunity on Amazon. These are all the things you need to think about. These are all the costs. These are all the, uh, the human labor and resources you're going to need. Like basically laying out a plan for them, a roadmap. Um, to think about Amazon in a bigger way. They've always been in more of that B2B model. Is this something that SlideBean would help with? Is it something like, what's the timeline take if someone gets involved and engaged with that? Um, is it something they can kind of just get in there and self-create and use the tool and, and make this kind of thing? Or is it something where you have, um, you know, people from your team, humans, animators, uh, taking kind of their ideas or their pitch and then bringing it to life? Yeah, so like I, I, come, I come from the, start, from the software world inevitably, right? So the first thing that we ever built was a presentation platform. Think of it like a super easy, like this is 2014 when we started, all you had was PowerPoint or Prezi and that's it, right? So we, we, built, we built a platform that made the process easier and even today it makes it extremely faster because um, it automates the design and, and kind of helps you kind of get your ideas together faster. Uh, so that was, that was our original idea. Uh, and we got some, you know, got some traction and raised some money from investors. Finally, from that, um, we hit our first million dollars in revenue from just this SaaS product. But as our content, which I'll, which I'll get to, and the whole video stuff started getting our brand in front of our people, you know, they started seeing us as, hey, like I, I want these guys to help me with my presentation for whatever purpose. You know, startup deck for investors is kind of like the obvious and the default, but you know, proposal pitch or sales deck. Um, you know, company profile, like those sort of things. We also we also see uh, some traffic from that, uh, and a lot of these companies started coming to us saying, like, "No, I want you guys to build it for me." Like, and our first answer for honestly for years was, "No, man, like th this is the software that we built. That's what we do. We're a software company." Uh, and for years, we just threw, tried to move them to the software that didn't work out until finally, on some random day, we're like, "Okay, so what? If, let's try this. Like, let's try." taking in this these tasks so i used to sell i started just taking these calls and selling them and doing the decks myself we at this point we were a team of 20 people like i could have easily delegated this to, to someone but i wanted to understand how was it how long it took me uh how much i could get away with charging what was sort of like that relationship with the user what did they expect during the call like what, what sort of assistance um and yeah like you know long story short we we, we took that and now we now it's a big branch of the company. So agency, which is what we call that branch, like agency. Um, I think close 2021 with someone in the seven, 800K revenue. Um, and, you know, That's awesome. 10, or so, 10 or so people. I love that. That's incredible. Thanks for sharing those details. Um, I want to go back to like you're in Costa Rica. You want to come up with a new business idea. Slidebean came to you. Um, I, I want to know where that kind of that inspiration was from. Was it from your success on Kickstarter? And you're like, okay, so I did well here. And I, whenever I was doing it digitally, I got all these people to buy my stuff and believe in me. Whenever I went to New York and had to pitch people in person, like we weren't ready. Um, you know, I want to make like one, that was a problem for you and you wanted to solve for it. Um, but was that some of, kind of some of the inspiration there? Like, you know, two, two great ideas, I guess, in that case, kind of wondering where it came from. Yeah, a, a little bit of that. I, I think that the, if I want to put kind of like a pinpoint, it was as part of this dream at this accelerator that we were on, we were on this shared office space, uh, you know, 15 other companies, 15 other CEOs next to us. And we all had to prepare a deck for demo day. Um, and I remember that, I mean, I'm, I'm a graphic designer. Animation is graphic design a little bit. Uh, so I remember that I, I built a pretty solid deck, uh, got some nice comments on Twitter when we did demo day. But this is a deck that took me, what? eight or 16 hours or I don't know, 24 hours in designing and coming up with the content. And I'd see the other CEOs in the office and they would all be struggling with the design or they'd have to hire designers to finish the decks for them. And to me, mm -hmm. this was this was crazy. I'm like, why would you hire someone? Like if you're the CEO, shouldn't you be able to build and design this yourself? Or shouldn't you have a, a tool that lets you do that? So that was the inspiration. Uh, like what's funny is that when we... When me and my my new co-founders for Slidebean, we envisioned Slidebean. We thought that this was a problem that extended to across all presentations, and I think it does. I think it does. Um, but where we solved it better, and where we found a niche of an audience, was in the end with where we started, which was 
pitch decks for investors. Okay. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I just think like that's a unique thing. Um, you know, when you think of PowerPoint, you're like, I can't do better than PowerPoint. I can't do, there's like a reason that you're solving for that. And as a CEO myself, a founder, um, I have amazing ideas. I'm the type of creator though, that has to work with another creator, like the actual artist. So I'm good at communicating my ideas. I can vision stuff in my head, like, you know, amazing designs and creative. And I've been doing that my whole life, music even. Um, it doesn't mean I can pull off that solo on the guitar just because I can hum it out for you because I hear it in my head, right? It's it's not the same thing. Um, and so like whether it was designing my first t-shirt or the mural in my house or whatever, it's in my head. I have to work with an artist that we're 50-50, if that makes sense. Like he, he brings to life what I'm dreaming up. Um, so yeah, like for the longest time, wasn't even marketing my own business besides word of mouth marketing with Marknology because hiring freelance designers to come up with this email look I want or like, and I'm not trying to put out branding that's subpar, you know? So it was like, I either have the budget to hire these designers or we're not doing it at all, or, you know, I'm putting it together and, and, um, so can very much relate to that. And as well, I'm, I'm a pitch coach at my local university. Uh, we have something called the e-scholars program. It's an accelerator um, at our local university. And um, I have office hours where you go in and uh, students of all ages, they're not all just college students. You can be actually any age to be in this accelerator. Um, you know, they come in and they pitch and, you know, we pick it apart and you know try to get them prepped and and ready ready to prepare and i can imagine you know saying hey guys like at least like have some decent level branding and design skills in your pitch it will help you tell the story um you know and, and that would have been an amazing tool at that time even to just kind of try to help them bring those to life um so we talked about something that was really interesting in the early minutes of the show um about seo being like your main thing, you're like, okay, we've got these keywords that are like getting my business found and people are finding us just like organically. We're not having to pay a lot to sell our service. Can we go into that a little bit um, and share kind of just like how you grew the business after you had this idea um, outside of getting some interest in investors and stuff like that? How are you getting Slidebean as a new startup in, in front of people? Uh, yeah, I love this question because um, that's probably like we've, we've made every we've made so many mistakes through this but i think that this is one path that's been paved with coincidence and it's been super smooth um so w when we when we started we built we had built this presentation platform but we didn't know who the perfect user was so so we just started putting ads everywhere right uh in google search i think is is very effective because when people are searching for something on google search it's it's you know they're almost about to buy it, right? If you look for Sony digital camera on, on Google, you want to buy a camera. It's just a question of where and which, uh, especially if you, even if you, you cut. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. It just, it's like, it's, it's not demand, uh, generation It's demand capture, right? They're exactly. there exactly. to buy. You want to answer their question. They want their, what they're looking for to be validated, you know? And that's what you're really trying to do is validate what they're looking for. Um, and capture that person looking for the cam. Yeah. And, so it's it's moment of intent. So that's why I think that you know solving Google search ads is one of the first things, one of the first breakthroughs that a startup might have. So we tried that. We tried a bunch of different keywords. A bunch of them didn't work out. The numbers, the economics weren't working. Cost per click wasn't making up for for anything. So anyway, we found a key, we finally found a keyword which was which was pitch deck. Um, so the searches for pitch deck, we had very little competition in that space, um, and people who searched for pitch deck signed up, used the product, converted to an account, and became super active users. So I was like, okay, so there's there's something here. Guys looking for PowerPoint alternatives, yeah, they, they'd come, they'd sign up, but they they didn't end up really activating. So once we found Pitch Deck, we just started doubling down on our search budget. This, this is money that we had to pay at the beginning of the month, but recover immediately at the end of the month. Uh, so that was great. That's great. Uh, it's like this money-making machine. Um, and we just doubled down on our budget. We probably went from the first 500 experiment to maybe $20,000 on this keyword pitch deck because it was working. So it was fine that like we were making that money up. Um, up. But then we came to a point where there were just no more searches for pitch deck uh, or no more searches that, that our ads would capture. Um, so you know, the immediate next uh, thing we saw was like, okay, well, what's the click the rate for, for these ads? You know, I don't know, it was five, five maybe 7%. We're like, okay, we're, what about that other 95% of people? They're, they're just going to the organic results. We just need to be there. Um, 
But we understood that SEO was this long-term bet. We had never done SEO. We didn't have an SEO expert. And honestly, at this time, we don't, I don't think we could really afford one. Um, so it was like, well, can we, can we win at SEO ourselves? So, and, and the way I pitched this to, to my team and, and to my co-founders was like, we, we're going to need to build this SEO engine, but it's not going to work next month or the month after. This is probably going to take nine months of people writing content and optimizing our website for it to maybe work. So are we yep. willing to make this bet? Do we believe in this pitch deck keyword enough to do everything and to spend so much money to try and rank for it? Um, so, so we did. So we did. And it did take us six, nine months until we st- finally started ranking organically. But once we, once we did, like that really like was taking the lid off and, you know, untapped this whole new layer of growth for the company. Because you're not having to pay to get the sales. They're just coming in. Um, and I can very much relate to that. Like just a, you know, kind of not rebuttal, but like add to that on the Amazon platform all we really did, our, our methodology, um, our technology was, I understand SEO as a concept. There has to be some way that this Amazon algorithm, the A9, is taking people's searches and matching it with listings because the Amazon platform is built for the customer, not for the brand. Okay, so it's all about the best customer experience. At least that's why it's been designed. Like it's one of the only marketplaces that was designed with that in mind versus making it easy for your dad to sell out of his garage, like eBay or Craigslist or whatever. Um mm-hmm. And so thinking about that in mind, I'm like, okay, so it's actually trying to match people up with the correct product. And that user experience is really important to the algorithm. You know, how do we figure that out? So whenever we're, you know, validating a product or really dialing it in, improving conversion rate, getting it seen on the Amazon marketplace, there's two strategies in mind. There's the ads, like you talked about with Google paid ads, and then there's the organic content that's in the listing. Now on an Amazon, we don't get to add blog articles and landing pages and referring links and all the things that can happen on Google on a website, but we're still putting content in listings in the back of alt tags on images or videos. Like we're talking about animated videos at times they, they have ability to be searched by Alexa. Um, you know, so there's all these things we're doing the ads, the difference on Amazon is the ads. If I'm advertising on pitch deck and I have pitch deck in my listing and people are clicking on the ad and then buying the product, my organic rank will increase automatically. I don't believe that that happens on Google, but on Amazon, that's the case. So you're actually like paying for organic rank. And it's something that takes nine months, 18 months to really start dominating a keyword. But just like you, where you're like, okay, alternative to PowerPoint or pitch deck, let's say two terms like that, every single product we start selling on Amazon, there might be a hundred keywords that convert. Uh, you know, maybe 50, 50% of those or 50 of them uh, aren't don't have a good ROI or a ROAS. It's just kind of like a, a swap, a loss. Um, others might have a two ROAS or three ROAS or four ROAS. As you start getting rid of, sure, this can bring some people in, but a lot of people bounce and they don't buy. As you start refining to just say, let's say 10 keywords that are like pitch deck, and you've got like 10 refined keywords that work that have high conversion rate, you start to see your listing on Amazon go from like, it's crazy numbers, like, you know, let's say a 10% conversion rate to a 20% to a 30% conversion rate, just because the traffic that is coming in is so highly relevant that there's not any that are coming in and leaving. Amazon as, a, as an algorithm sees that is like, wow, this listing is not even like, you know, everyone that comes in uh, three out of 10 are buying. This is a crazy conversion rate. Let's show this more. Let's mm-hmm. boost this. Like customers are happy when they come across this listing. And so we're able to repeat that process um, by refining that out and finding those keywords, even though both describe it, this is the one that resonates. Okay, if we want this other keyword to resonate, maybe we need to show the differences between PowerPoint and our deck so that we can get those PowerPoint customers or something like that, right? The, the differences that come back from that. But I wanted to take a minute because when you really think about e-commerce and digital, like whether it's Airbnb, right? And you've got listings with photos and you're not selling products on Amazon, but you're selling a a house or a rental or whatever the case might be digitally. I'm convincing you digitally versus in person. Um, It's the same concepts, regardless. If you're on YouTube, we're about to get to YouTube and talk about YouTube. We're talking about organic SEO. Um, It's the same principles uh, in regards to figuring out how that marketplace or that platform works. Once you get it dialed in, doubling down on that. So Okay, before we were talking about, I know where we're going with this one, but it was like pitch deck. Okay, we paid, first we paid the play and learned it. Now we're doing it organically. We knew that that wasn't sustainable. We couldn't scale that. We've maxed out kind of what we can get organically. It changed the game. And you're like, okay, well, I want to keep growing. Insert YouTube here. Like, how did that come up? Yeah, exactly like that. Exactly like that. 
um, you know, we had we had the keyword rank, um, you know, one, two, or three, and then we knew that we, either moving one position up was going to be too hard. It was it was going to take too long. That we were the best organic result we could be uh, with the I mean, with the size of organization that we were. Uh, I think we were outranked by Business Insider on one of our keywords. We're like, well, we're not going to beat Business Insider, so that's it. Like, this is as far as we got. Um, so we're like, okay, what's the next search engine? I mean, Bing is kind of a search engine, but not a lot of people use Bing. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're like, well, what, what about YouTube? What about YouTube as a search engine? Um, now, the yeah, the advantage was we, like, I had this videography background that I had forgotten about. Uh, and just by a random coincidence, I think two team members in the company at that time who were part of the support team and the design team, like they they also had a background in videography and were just working in something else. Um, so we're like, well, why don't we why don't we try making YouTube videos and and see what happens with that? Um, so like I think that the like I, YouTube has been once again transformative for us, uh, and I'll and I'll talk about that more. Um, but the the very the big danger of anybody kind of taking video as a marketing channel is that it's it's that it's so expensive, and mm. that it it takes a lot of time to figure out. So video is expensive. You need to make an investment upfront. Um, and you know, you could spend months or years or, or, or spend a lot of time and money in, in making videos that you don't necessarily know how, how work. Like I'll, I'll give you an example with, with our own story. Like imagine that we didn't know this pitch deck keyword. Imagine that we were just looking for presentation software or something that's so broad as PowerPoint alternative. Um, if we were to do that in SEO, like it'd be, it'd have been, you know, a bunch of bullets to a bunch of different keywords without without really getting a grip on which one would rank. And same with YouTube, except, you know, writing an article that could rank on SEO will cost a couple hundred dollars. Making a video will cost a thousand dollars or more. Like today, today, and we have a team and I, I run the math. Like I think one of our videos costs around $2,000 to produce in-house just with the salaries and the time and the scripting and, and the production and all of that. So it, any way you slice it, it's it's an expensive bet. But what what I think has been incredible for us is that it creates a whole new level of connection with people. Uh, people get to see my face. People get to listen to my voice. People get to see our office and our team, uh, number one. And number two, I think it's the moat around it because when you, when you really win at video, it's so hard for any competitor to even come close because they, then they have to go and do that expensive process of figuring everything out. Yep. I, I, I want to add to that because I can 100% attest that I'm not a video creator. I knew the combos I was having with brands and what we were talking about. I was just so busy. I didn't have time to slow down. I was like, this stuff, these combos I'm having every single day, if we were recording these, would be gold for anyone that's trying to learn how to do Amazon at a high level, like whether it's branding or you know manufacturers or map pricing or reseller agreements or international expansion i was like i'm having these calls all day i don't want to stop to like recreate that in a fake way can you just like record what i'm already doing because that's me and i'm best like authentic you know and that was that was kind of my mindset 2019 i think i spent like thirty thousand dollars um on video and the youtube videos that i have uh you know that was an experiment i was literally like this stuff is amazing content i was you know just i think you'll get a kick out of this i was using um uh adobe premiere uh, a translation. So I had Adobe Premiere with an add-on that had basically it could transcribe cheaper than like sending them into a transcribe service. And I had a videographer follow me around all day. So what I was giving him was like a flat retainer a month, you know, so some steady work as he was trying to be a freelancer and like book projects. So for a lot of creators or freelancers, you know, like getting that steady income, you can kind of plan around is a big deal. And, um, you know, I had a guy follow me around. I was, you know, I'm on eight or 10 calls a day and we were just like filming them, whether it was meetings in person, this was pre-pandemic. Um, I was just doing the Gary V thing kind of, right? Uh, but with mm-hmm. trying to pull it off with a team of like eight of us w- with one video creator and editor do it all. Um, so what we were doing was like filming an eight hour day, uh, transcribing it into Adobe Premiere. It would put, print it all out in script. He might've made some notes, but I would go through the script and just highlight the, the mini content uh, send him those notes. We, we outsourced that to an editor who took those cuts and those snippets and basically made lots of content off of what we were doing. Um, that was the process trying to do what, you know, what Gary V does with a big team with like two people. Um, but what I will say is like, it was hard to drive that strike direct ROI. And I have a few videos I want to, sh- I would love to send you and just get your feedback. Um, one was like, 
meet the team. Like, you know, we're a company in Kansas City that doesn't get to meet all these people. You're hiring us remotely, maybe an Italian company hiring us. We had like a who we are and what we do video that I thought was well done. Uh, people don't understand this Amazon space, so it needs some explaining. Um, and then we had like, you know, in-person testimonials with brands we were working with that really just got this. Um, they were they were answering questions truthfully about their business and people were relating to that and saying, oh, my God, like we want that help for our business. Um, and so video, while it's not like what brings me all my business, not because I went all in, but video created trust. I think that's what you're really talking about. And, you know, business innovates and it changes and it gets new and it pivots all the time. But at the end of the day, trust is what gets people to work with you. You know, they they especially in the marketing world, um, I want to trust this company. I want to trust who works there. I want to trust the guy that's giving me this advice. I want to trust the guy that's doing this course. I want to trust Amazon built trust in e-commerce. That's why they've grown to where they've been before everyone's buying off these unique websites. Now, you know, Amazon changed the game, made stuff in two days and you don't have to have hassle. Trust is still at the forefront of all of that and i think it's just really hard to create videos at a high level and an authentic level and trust not just seep through so like you know for me it's whenever i started getting on calls and they're like hey i watched all your videos on youtube uh and like or bring that up or that that review you have on your website blah 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 was like oh my gosh just like mine they feel like they know me before we get on the call and we have this trust and then there's no one like like you said there's the competitor can't beat me because they don't even know that yet they haven't even kind of built that out yet. And I, and I have a leg on the competition. Um, I didn't know that going in, I hadn't seen that ROI funnel, like come full circle. But for me, what video has done is validated my company and built trust with with new customers that are coming in that want to do their research. Yeah, um, totally agree with that. It's, you know, it is like, we started to think of video, sorry, we started to think of video as a as a direct response campaign. That's the way we think about campaigns in, in Slidebean. It's how much money do we spend on it and how much money are we getting out of it? And, and that's the way we think for, for most of the stuff we do. And video for the longest time was not giving us the results that we wanted. And, and we finally, it finally worked when we found this search focus. So it's like, okay, so let's make stuff, say, let's make videos for stuff that people are searching for. Um, and the the process to find a keyword was maybe two, three hours of research. So we'd find keywords that would make sense for us, like Pitch Deck. Uh, we'd go on YouTube and find what other videos we had on them. And sometimes we'd find, you know, three videos from Ted on startup investing. We're like, well, we're not going to beat Ted. Um, so, okay, so next one. But then once again, <laughs> with Pitch Deck, we found out that most of the videos covering Pitch Decks were, were very shitty. So we're like, well, can we make a better video about this? Yes. Uh, okay, so let's do it. So we actually, with Pitch Deck, we went all in. I think we have three or four videos now. If you Google, if you go to YouTube, find Pitch Deck now, you'll probably see three or four versions of my face on it because we're like, we saturated it, right? We saturated all these search terms. And that worked great. It was a direct response campaign. But then the surprise really, because I think it was a surprise. Uh, like that that search stuff led us to what, 30,000 followers or something, 30,000 subscribers. Wow. Oh, fine. Uh, I mean, it's cool. Like we, we figured search, we can make a video and, and we know the formula to make that video rank. But this is when, again, the, the coincidence, like I went back to my, uh, to what we talked about earlier, my uh, sort of desire to like, well, what if I make, what if I, start creating content of what I think is interesting rather than just uh, as a search campaign. What if, what if we make other content? This relates to a random, and this is a nice kind of like link to the, to the other, to the rest of the story. If you're still listening um, in that office in New York, I, I shared the space. One of the founders in that office was this guy called uh, Nosire. So his, he has a, a huge, huge uh, Facebook page and now YouTube channel called Now It's Daily. Started making daily videos, uh, like daily one minute videos traveling around the world. So many people have probably heard of this guy. Millions of subscribers, why not? So Naz was in my office. He was making a startup which failed before mine. Uh, Inspiration. He went, he went back to school and then three, four years later, he's like doing this video thing, like this travel thing. And I found myself, I found myself jealous, man. Like, I'm like, what? Like this guy's living living my dream. Like I wanted to do this. I didn't realize that I wanted to do it because you know millennial brain. Uh, I didn't realize I really wanted to do this, but like I'm I'm envy, envious. So I, I met with him a couple of times. I'm in a couple of his videos, and I'm like, man, like I, how do I find a way to do this too, right? Uh, 
And I guess that's that's one of the perks of being CEO. I'm like, well, guys, I, I want to try this strategy. Like, hear me out. What if we make videos about the stuff that I find interesting? So we start we started doing it, and that was that that went crazy. Like that's um, super crazy because well now like now we're on 300k ish subscribers on the channel. Um, we sort of broke the the model of just search videos, but moving into videos about things that we've well we found interesting. For example, we made a video. That's not already there. Yeah, exactly. We made a video about the the 2000 uh, dot com bubble because I lived through that, but I was. I was a kid. I don't, I don't remember. I'm like, oh, well, this, I'm curious about this. Like, what, what's up with that? Let's let's do some research. Made a cool video about it. Five hundred thousand views, and just people engage with their content. And this this content sort of became like a gateway to the other content, which is in itself a gateway to our product and our services. So that's been a super fun ride, which which always me always pumps me up. Okay, so as we're as we're closing out, just because I we're coming up on the hour, and I, and I know anyone in a commute, like we try to keep it under an hour so they can get it to work. Uh, get the full episode in. Um, how did you, how do you relate like what you find is interesting? Like, let's say for me, it's like mindset right now and leadership and management and like all these other things, even though I'm an Amazon expert, there's these other things like, you know, travel and quality of life and balance and all these things I'm trying to learn as well as I get a little bit out of fight or flight mode, you know, like a lot of people are in as they're trying to get their business off the ground. Um, so how does a video about the dot-com bubble, and I think you, you you alluded to it, but how does a video like that relate to Slidebean and creating videos for a pitch deck? Yeah, and that's that's the part that was weird at first. It's like, well, it's it's is it too far away? Like, I, I don't think that we would make a video about agriculture and and or just travel. I think that it's always connected to business or to tech. But our thesis here is, well, will the guy that watches a video on pitch decks uh, be interested in a video in a video about the dot com bubble and I guess that the f- first sample that we have is myself and like well I- I'm interested um, so maybe maybe other founders will okay I love that because um, I-, I own an apparel brand I am building several brands um, and whenever I would stray from what I thought was cool not that I'm the see all or whatever but as a creator i think that's what you have is yourself and what you bring to the table and whenever i was designing designs that i thought were cool i would see who was buying it from us and i'd be like okay like i'm gonna design for them because that's my customer i'm gonna think about what they like and design more you know capsules or or products that are like fit for them and um those flopped you know and whenever i would like regroup and be like okay like what's inspiring me right now like what what do i feel like creating what do i think is fashionable or trendy or whatever um that i enjoy uh those have been the ones that won those have been the ones that have been successful so i think um you know what you're talking about there is like look creativity and authenticity and like that comes through no matter what you're doing uh and it's it's interesting like you do one thing right and you'll see like this other thing grow over here and you're like what they had nothing in common well they do um, you know, I, I think my Instagram channel is probably more like your YouTube channel in regards to like, I don't talk much about Amazon at all, uh, on my Instagram, you know, but I think people like we're a branding agency that help people like create their brand and their story. And people can come and see me telling my story and, um, relate to that and be like, Hey, this guy does a pretty good job with his own. Maybe he can do a good job with mine. You know, and I think there's that correlation. It's not a direct sell. It's more like a passive sell. I think that's what we're getting to here is, um, you know, someone that's interested in building a business or living a life by design or improving quality of life, um, you know, might also be interested in business or mindset or travel or these other things that are that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, your goal was like you're motivated by um, moving to New York and getting that experience again. And for me, as someone that doesn't like to sit in a classroom, I've learned that traveling is my biggest way to learning uh, and, you know, getting perspective to learn about white privilege, to understand what being American. I did it as a kid, but as an adult, it's something different. You got to get use your own time off and your own savings and like, you know, those types of things. And it's like, that's when I learn. That's when I actually learn and feel like a better man or a better version of myself. So quality of life and being able to travel and be geographically free when I didn't exist, like we said, when we started, that wasn't a thing. There was no YouTubers um, that were making money. Uh, so for me, it was like, okay, it started with a commute. I had a two hour commute, an hour there and back. And uh, I wanted two hours a day back, which is 10 hours a week. And I was just like, I hate this part of my life. Like, I hate traffic. I hate uh, driving an hour. Um, I want to get rid of that. I want to be able to work from home or work from wherever. And that was what started me on this journey personally was like 
changing one small thing, whether it's New York, whether it was like not driving, whether it's traveling. Um, and so what I find as someone that's been on these po- been doing this podcast two years is like when I talk to these founders, and some of them are worth $300 million guys, like craziness. Um, it's, it's just crazy what that everybody starts with just like chasing a passion or scratching their own itch or looking for something that motivates them past. Uh, it's not about like that you were absolutely passionate about slide bean at the time, but you're like, what can slide bring slide bean do for my life? What can it change? Um, you know, what can it expose me to? And I think that's what a lot of the listeners, uh, and myself have in common with, with everybody that gets on the show is, is something, some driving force out from the outside that, um, you know, pushes them to the next level. So before we sign off, like I know that's a mouthful, but, um, just love thinking about this and like it reinforces kind of even my own drives and passion and what I'm creating and, and thinking about that differently. I think what you shared with creating content that was for you, um, that relates to other people in the same thing. It's, you know, the title of this video is, um, you know, uh, video in e-commerce or video marketing for e-commerce that was thought out, that was planned. That was, that's a searchable phrase. That's why we have it as a title. There's people looking for that. And we're, we're trying to find that search right on, on YouTube or on Apple podcasts or Spotify, whatever. Um, as we're signing off, uh, coming up on the hour, what's like one piece of advice you would give, uh, to any listeners out there, new entrepreneurs, existing entrepreneurs, founders, what's something on your mind going into 2022, um, that you'd like to leave, leave with our listeners? Um, so I guess the, the, my, my first advice is, yeah, like it, it's, it's super critical to focus. Like as, as a founder, you're inevitably going to be distracted and you're inevitably going to be doing a bunch of things at once. Um, but you also have to, you know, sometimes your company requires you to focus on one single thing and see it through. Um, like when, when we did SEO, my core and sole focus was, was content marketing and SEO. Like I had delegated product to my co-founders. Uh, I delegated the ads campaigns, like the marketing campaigns that, that were already running and we're still bringing business. I delegated that to someone else. And I took that thing and owned it. And then I delegated it. Um, mm. I'm trying to do the same with, with YouTube. Which it's harder because I'm, I'm in the videos a lot. But I'm trying to come into a way where I just come in, shoot, shoot the video and, and be out and have the team kind of like have that ownership and that creative drive. That's harder because it's a lot of creative drive when you're doing video. But I, you know, I've seen so many success stories of founders and 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 CEOs and and yeah, company owners that that do that. Like they they become experts in one thing and then they hire a solid team to delegate that thing to. And I think that that's the way you scale, where you can always release your mind from things that you already know how to do and that you can teach someone else how to do. Maybe hire someone even smarter than you to do those things so that you can move on to something else. Because it's usually the founder that has the capacity to to solve a growth channel or, or to solve a product problem. That's because not everyone has uh, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, right? They can be part of a startup. They can be a right-hand man or woman. Um, you know, they, there's a lot of other roles that are needed, but there's something different about going into something in an unknown, creating something out of nothing, making process for it. Um, you know, in Amazon, in the Amazon world, I did every single part of the process. Now I have a team that does it. Um, but how can I manage a team or manage someone um, that I've never been in their shoes? I've never done their job. I don't know what it takes to get that done. What's the timeline? I got to just trust somebody if they say, hey, this takes 10 hours if I haven't done it myself. Right. And I think so being a good business owner and being able to manage or even track KPIs, know what the KPIs are for that thing that you went in there and invented. Like I just stood up a warehouse uh, a warehouse business in, in 2020. Um, you know, so we're in year two, a warehouse management system, all that kind of stuff. I did it myself because, you know, if I was going to have somebody else there or do it, it was like, um, I'm going to get in there and understand this before I hand it off. And I think that's great advice. It's great wisdom, um, for anything. And I think that if you're trying to build a team and a culture of teamwork and, um, tribe and like, you know, I'm not trying to lose people. I lose money every time I lose them. And, you know, I picked them for a reason in the first place. And, you know, so keeping people is, is a hard part of our jobs today in this culture where everyone can move around. Um, 
but I think there's a ton of respect given um, by a team when they see their leader like doing the work in the trenches with them, leading the way. Hey, I did this. I, you can do it and empower you. Like you can now empower your people because it's something you did um, versus saying, I don't know, figure it out. It's not the same, you know, it's not the same kind of feedback from a boss. I don't know, figure it out versus, uh, you know, here, let me show you how to do it and, and, and lead in that way. So I think that's just absolute gold and a great way to sign off the show. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate, man, this, this has been a blast. I uh, took a trip down memory lane. Happy that we have some, uh, some parallels in our own upbringings. So this was very fun. Awesome. I'm in New York um, a lot, you know, Costa Rica. I plan to go back. They, they promised me some fishing trips. And so I'm trying to make them a lot of money so I can get I can get brought back. But if our worlds ever connect, I'd love to link up, grab a coffee or just talk about what's new. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And before we sign off, uh, once again, shout out to our sponsor making this whole episode, um, you know, possible and getting it out there. Wix.com. Um, where you can go to create a website you're proud of, discover the platform that gives you the freedom to create, design, manage, and develop your web presence exactly the way you want. Go to Wix.com and check it out. I guarantee you they have a YouTube channel as well. Um, you know, we've been talking about it all day. YouTube can sponsor us. Proposify can sponsor us. Like, bring it on. We're, we're, we're name dropping today. But um, Slidebean, Kaya, thank you so much for being on the show. You, you shared some awesome nuggets. I know this won't be the last time we connect. Um, we'll see you next time. See you next time, man. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.